I'm Mark, and uh, this is E3, and um, welcome everyone. As we continue in our series, Together We Can, the 13th week, if you uh, can believe it. I know, wow, 13 weeks. Uh, My wife was actually this morning saying, when is this series going to end? I'm like, why? You don't like it? She's like, no, we've just been in it a a long time. So uh, actually, there's a good chance that tonight is uh, the last night, so... Uh, if you're waiting for it to end, then maybe, maybe it's good news. But I make no promises. Depending on how it goes tonight, we may extend it. All right, or not. So, <laughs> but we will just see. But we've been going through the summer uh, looking at really the, the components in Scripture that make up a healthy, biblically functioning community and what what kind of things go into that. We've looked at lots of just kind of nuts and bolts things like uh, uh, just conflict. You know, whenever you have two people or more than one person in a room, there's going to be conflict at some time, right? So how do we deal with conflict in a healthy biblical way? Uh, blessing. How do we bless one another? How do we tell one another the truth and love? All of these kinds of, of different things. And then last week, we, we uh, were talking about like things that matter to God. And specifically, we looked at Luke chapter 15, if you remember. And, and we really saw that lost people matter to God. And, and in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this parable, trying to reveal God's heart on, on people who, who he came to reunite with, to, to give the opportunity to have an eternal relationship with them. And, and if you remember, the first parable that he told was the parable of the, of the one sheep who had gone astray and the shepherd who was symbolizing God uh, left the other 99, us, and uh, went off after that one, leaving us unprotected and unnurtured and all these kind of things. And how, how the Pharisees and, and other religious rulers of the day, and even religious rulers of this day, that makes them very uncomfortable. And then the, the next one was the, the lost coin where the image of God was now a woman and uh, she was desperately seeking this coin and, and she finally found it and threw a party. She was so excited. And the last one that we looked at was the prodigal son. And we, Jesus uh, concluded this story with this very uncomfortable picture especially in the, in the Eastern, the ancient Near East mindset of, of the father desperately waiting for his son to come back to him. And this, this image of the, not only just a son who was lost, like you know, a, a dumb sheep who just wandered off or a coin, it just was misplaced, but a son who, who got into his father's face and, and said, Father, you know what? I wish you were dead. I don't want your instruction. I do not want your guidance. I do not want to have a relationship with you. I just want your money and I just want to go and live my life. This is just ultimate insult into the face of God. And knowing all of that at the end of this story, Jesus saying this is who God is that that, that God was waiting for his son. And 
when he finally saw that he was coming, he didn't wait for him to come, but he actually lifted his robes and he ran toward his son and he embraced his son and gave him a divine, holy, sacred kiss, a supernatural kiss, smothered him with kisses. And this, this kiss represented forgiveness and blessing and celebration that once his son was dead, but now he is alive, that it didn't matter what he had done. He just wanted to celebrate that he was here. And the reality is that the world, those who are far from God, are in desperate need of this divine kiss from God. That they were designed to to be enveloped by a loving God. And we as the bride of Christ, we as the as the church, we we know that it is our call to to be the tangible hand of Christ here on this earth, to be going out and and giving these these supernatural kisses from God to people and to love them and to envelop them. But the reality is, if we just stripped it all away of all the shoulds, and we all know we're, we're meant to be doing that, sharing the love of God, there's a, we don't. The vast majority of us don't. And I think that there's a reason for that. Because I think a lot of times in, in our brokenness and our messiness and our experience with a local church, which should be the equivalent when somebody walks in, the equivalent of getting a big sloppy kiss from God, that, that it's something that, that we've, we've, we've kind of missed the mark and, it, and, it, and it's become something else. And I I've been reading this book uh, this week. It's called the, the Monkey and the Fish. It's a good book. And uh, there's a parable, actually, that the, the, the book is, is based on. The parable is The Monkey and the Fish. And I think that, it, that it'll illustrate how we kind of our mindset is about, about God's love. How we really, if we, if we secretly were able just to be honest for one evening, for, for 30 minutes, that, that instead of seeing God as this loving Father who, who runs toward us and envelops us and, and kisses us with a divine kiss, that actually we see it a little bit differently. You see, this uh, is an Asian... Uh, far Far East parable, and and basically how it goes is there's this typhoon going on, you know, wind, rain, the the whole bit, and there's this monkey, hence the monkey and the fish, the monkey in the title, and he he's going along and doing what monkeys normally do, and and he gets. The river or the lake uh, swells up and he gets cut off from shore. So he's out on this kind of island thing and the weather is getting really gnarly and it's blowing and raining and probably lightning. And and so this monkey decides that he's going to just kind of hunker down in this shelter. And he's hunkering down in this shelter, just kind of waiting it out. And suddenly sees this fish swim by and this tree had fallen 
and this, this fish is struggling along and gets behind this, this tree that's in the water and it's just kind of hanging out there struggling in this storm. And this monkey decides with great intention that, that he's going to risk his life to help this fish. So he comes out from his shelter and the wind and the rain and the lightning in the middle of a typhoon and he, he creeps along this log and he gets up to the fish and he reaches down and he takes the fish out of the water and he brings it back to the shelter. And as the story of the parable is recounted, that the, the fish, from the monkey's perspective, is, is so excited for a couple of minutes. And then it relaxes into a restful peace. The fish is dead. It is assumed room temperature. It has kicked the bucket. It has gone on. It is past. That, that, and... A lot of times, I think that that's how we kind of see, how we kind of feel taking somebody who may be kind of struggling a little bit or maybe just kind of hunkering out and that we're kind of called to snatch them out of their circumstance and to thrust them into the local church. And they may flop around a little bit, and, and we, we perceive that as excitement. And then eventually, we see this kind of spiritual death overtake them. And it breaks our hearts. So what do we do? We stand back, and we allow the people that God has entrusted around us to continue just to go and do whatever they're going to do. And I'm going to do my thing on Sunday and, and you know, in my growth groups in the midweek and those kind of things. And I'll let them go and, and do their thing. And it all comes down to how we see God. Do we see God as a, as, as a well-intentioned but misinformed monkey that is kind of just killing people spiritually or the church? Or is God really this God of the Bible? When we open up the Bible and we see Scripture after Scripture about the, the love of God. You see, I have a theory that, you know what, the church, you and I, not the church, but us as followers of Christ, us individuals who make up the church, that every experience, that we have with somebody who's not been part, who's not part of the kingdom of God, who does, has not experienced this divine kiss from the Father, that that our touch should should be an encounter with God, something that is beautiful and positive. No matter if we're in a restaurant or if we are at school or or at a coffee house or or whatever. That we should not be like the monkey, but we should be like God. I mean, really, ultimately, those of us who are, are followers of Christ, we're meant to be more like Him. And I was really just kind of 
pondering this this idea and it, it, it just it was weighing really heavy on me and I was going to my daily devotions and just reading and and I came across a parable this time one of Jesus's and to be honest with you it's one of those those parables that I've read a thousand times I've I've probably literally heard you know probably 10 20 30 whatever messages sermons whatever on them uh, it's your it's your perfect kind of Sunday school flannel graph type of 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 parable, and I just kind of hit it really quick and and just kept on going because after all I've heard it a thousand times and I just kept on going. I just kind of glanced over it, and as I continued reading, I just had this nagging feeling the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a nag, so don't email me. But he, he can be, right? I went back and, and I gave it a little better read, but not really reading, and I continued on. There I just had it again, just like, go back and read it again. Like, really read it. Really meditate on it. So I went back and, and I read it. And I really read it this time, and I really just kind of opened up my heart and mind to it. And I said, oh my gosh, this can't be right, because it's nothing that I'd ever been taught or heard before. But I think sometimes we get so stuck in our Western culture and our Western mindset that sometimes we miss the bigger picture of the context and the meaning that Jesus was, was trying to convey. You see, in our Western mindset, we're very individualistic. That, that, we, that we think of faith as a very personal thing, which it is, but it's also a very communal thing. And as I read this, my, my heart was kind of being open to this understanding that there, there may be more, there may be something more here that Jesus was trying to communicate that I had ever personally heard. So... I give you this caveat uh, about what we're going to talk about tonight, that uh, it, it's not Billy Graham approved, that, that, that you know what, uh, in all fairness, you can reject it, and, and you'll still be orthodox, and it's fine, but this is, this is just something that, that was really on my heart that maybe... Maybe there's just a little deeper level. Maybe there, there's something larger going on in, in this uh, often told parable than, that we've, than we've really realized before. So if you'd do me a favor, if you'd open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, uh, and starting in verse 3, and, and I actually read, read this in the other Gospels. This is an important story that Jesus tells. And this one I particularly chose just because of its fullness. And Jesus starts out and he says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of that seed fell on a footpath. I'm going to dazzle you guys tonight with my artwork here. That's a footpath. And birds came and ate it, the seeds. Others fell on some shallow soil 
with some underlining rock. So here we have soil, and these are underlining rocks. The plants sprang up quickly, but it soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among thorns that shot up. There we go. You like my thorns? Yeah, they shot up. Let's see if I can find it on the big screen here. No, okay. (laughs) They shot up and choked out the tender blades so it produced no grain. Still, the other seed fell on fertile soil. Fertile soil. And produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who is willing to do to hear should listen and understand. Okay, so we've, we've all heard that before. We got the, the, the hard path. We have the rocky soil. We have the thorny soil. And we have the good soil. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with others, probably the 72 who were gathered around, they asked him, what do your stories mean? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret about the kingdom of God, but I am using these stories to conceal everything about it from outsiders so that the scripture might be fulfilled. And he quotes out of Isaiah here. They see what I do, but they don't perceive its meaning. They hear my words, but they don't understand. So they will not turn from their sins and be forgiven. And then he says this, and I think this is very, very important. He says, but if you can't understand this story, how will you understand all the others I'm going to tell? Obviously, this is a very important story. Jesus is saying, look, this is kind of one of these foundational things. This is pre-algebra. If you don't get this, don't even think about calculus. This is, you know, fundamental stuff to the kingdom of God and who I am and how this all works. So he continues on and he says this. He says, The farmer I talked about is the one who brings God's message to others. Who's the farmer? Us. We are the farmer. And those of us who, in this metaphor, who are the farmers, collectively, we are the church. Okay, this is very important. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then Satan comes at once and takes away from them. Now, in our traditional teaching and understanding on this, the soil usually represents what? Heart. That is what I have always been taught. That's what I have always heard, that this soil is the heart. You see what's happening when we do this is that we are putting everything on that 
individual and we are stepping away and not taking any responsibility. But let me ask you this question. As farmers, as people who are sowing the seed, what, what do farmers do? Yeah. Before they even put the seed, they're out there, they're tilling the ground, that they're, they're doing all the things that farmers do. And then after a lot of work, they go out and put the seed out. And after they put the seed out, they, they, they don't go on vacation. That, that they are there and they are working that soil. This is very important. This is extremely important. And as we see that, then we make this leap. And it's not really a leap. It's, it's just a small step. If we're the farmers and we as collectively as the farmers as a co-op, as the church, what usually happens when someone that God has entrusted around us that, that, that we have them experience this, this, what is meant to be a divine kiss from their father, what's usually the next step that we do? We bring them to a local church, right? We take them to a local church. Jesus has just told us that the seed goes in the soil. The soil is the farmer's domain. And let me put it to you like this. Maybe it's not their hearts. Maybe it's not all on them, but maybe as us, as the farmers, that we need to do our farming responsibility. Now let me read this next part. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then Satan comes at once and takes it away. Okay, great. We've, we've done what we've meant to do. We, we try to plant the seed, but it's on a hard path. It's, it's, it's not going anywhere. Okay, fine. Satan takes, takes him. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. What's just happened here? Someone has just accepted Christ. That, that they have come, they've been planted, and they have accepted Christ. And they received it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first, they get along fine, but they wilt soon after they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the Word. Someone who has just accepted Christ, and they are brought into a local church. And just like everyone who is a follower of Christ, that, you know what? Your roots start to grow and you're going to eventually hit some adversity. We know that as the farmers. We know that, this, that there's rocks under this soil. 
Is it really indicative of the person's heart or is it indicative of who we are as a, as a local church that we didn't do what we were meant to do? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, Paul writes this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. But then he continues, and I think that this is very indicative of the rocky soil. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. I have seen this happen so many times and it makes me nauseous. That, that somebody comes in and they, they think they're going to get a holy kiss from their father and what they receive is a monkey's hand snatched out. They're told that they need to have this doctrine and this theology and, and they got to do this and this and this. And if they get all of these things checked off of their list, then, and only then, will they be accepted into the community. I hate to say it, but a lot of times we are the rocks that we forget the picture of the Father. God who loves the world so much that He sent His only Son that no one should perish. But everyone will have the opportunity to have eternal life, an eternal relationship with God. An eternal embrace, an eternal kiss from their Father of love and acceptance. And you know what the truth is? That you, we can book learn a lot of people. We can make sure that they spout the right doctrine. But the truth is, the, the same nagging Holy Spirit who made me go back to this is alive and well in each and every one of these people's hearts. And to allow God to do through love and us to support that is our proper place. Jesus continues. He says the thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for nice things, so no crop is produced. What's going on here? The, the seed is planted. It's growing up. It's doing fine. But suddenly... All of these old habits start creeping in and taking over. That instead of somebody coming into the local church and experiencing this holy kiss, they experience religion. And this fulfillment, this God-shaped void in their, in their hearts, this, this love and acceptance that they were seeking which everyone is seeking. They don't find it, so they start going back and saying, well, maybe, maybe a combination 
Or maybe if I just had a little bit more here and, they, and, and all these kind of things and that, that, that searching starts happening again because we as the farmers did not clear the soil of these weeds. And eventually these things choke out their spiritual life. And then finally we have a picture in verse 20. But the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. And here we have a picture of what I believe is a biblical, healthy, functioning church where the seed is planted, the kiss has been laid. It goes into the soil, and that soil has all the nutrients and you know, manure and water and everything in that soil. And that crop grows up. And it doesn't just grow with its roots all deep and, and everything and a big old stalk like that and you know some leaves and stuff like that, but it also produces a harvest of 30 or 60 or 100 times what that person ever imagined life could be. But this doesn't happen by accident. This happens by neglect. Have you ever seen a neglected garden or a neglected farm? This is what happens with a neglected farm and, or a neglected garden. To have good soil, it takes a lot of work. The farmer has to get up really early and turn over that ground and put water and put nutrients and, and continually weed so that new seed has the opportunity to grow up and to grow strong. And the reality is that one person cannot do this. That it takes all of us as a church together that each and every one of us using our unique gifts and talents and love and, and abilities, it would be irresponsible of us come August when we start Pathway Shift to invite people into this journey unless we are willing to do the work to invest in them so their roots can grow and they can produce a harvest. And we as a community, those of us who are followers of Christ and have been brought in this place, in this unique local church, need to be committed to making this place a place of good soil. That means those of us who have gift of, of just service and helping people are, are active in, in that area. Those of us who are farther along in our, in our faith are actively mentoring and loving and guiding someone through some of these, these hardships that those of, we, those of us who've been around here for a while or, uh, or have the gift of hospitality opening up their homes for these growth groups 
all of these kind of different things, serving in E3 Kids, the Red Eye, Red Eye Midtown, all of us being fully invested and doing our part. Why? Because the alternative is seeing another spiritual casualty, another fish snatched out of the water to see flopping around excitedly for a few minutes and then peacefully go into a spiritual death. And that is just not acceptable. We should have a holy discontentment about ever seeing that happen, at least in this place. The purpose of this church is to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. It's been that for the past five and a half years. And I think this parable really kind of shows that, that the making part that we as the farmers planning the good news, that the maturing, making sure that there aren't weeds and all this kind of stuff, there isn't rocks and creating an environment that the roots can go down and then mobilizing, not only seeing this, this crop grow up, but producing Producing even more opportunity for people to experience the extravagant love, the holy kiss of our Father in Heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just, with all my heart and all my being, want this place to be a place of good soil. But I am under no illusion that I have any ability to make that happen. And I realize that this has to be something that is a desire of our whole church. To be willing to sacrifice to make these things happen. To use our best thinking and our best mind time to be conscious that we are ambassadors of you and that every touch that we give to someone is either the touch of a monkey or the kiss of the God of you Almighty. God, elevate our understanding of what you've called us to do. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.